Merry Christmas again. I hope you all had a wonderful morning with your families, and I hope you've been blessed already by sharing part of your Christmas morning with your church family. Again, it is good to remember what we believe together and sing together as one the joy that we all have in Christ together this Christmas. If you have your Bibles uh, this morning, please turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses uh, 14 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, there are a bunch on the cart, and it's not going to be on the screen behind me because uh, we've took, yeah, about to say, so if you, if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand and we can come around and gra- grab you one. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. A little backstory as you turn there of why I chose this text this morning. Uh, many of you know my kids, Emma and Isaac, uh, right up here. Hi, kids. Um, as you can see, they are, they are growing up, and as they grow up, their questions also grow up a, a little bit, and uh, recently, both of them on separate occasions asked questions to the effect of, you know, Mom, Dad, why did Jesus come as a baby? It doesn't sound like, oh my God, hey, that, that's a good question. Why did he come as a baby? Why didn't he just come? Well, uh, that might be a great question for me to answer for all the church uh, on Christmas morning. So that is what we're going to seek to answer today in, uh, in part, and we're going to look at it in, through Hebrews chapter 2, which is a great section uh, that helps us start to answer the question of why did Jesus need to be born? Why did he need to be made, become like us? And there's a lot to unpack, but Hebrews 2 should help us do that. Hebrews 2 14 through 18, hear the word of the Lord. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me briefly? Again, Father, we praise you for this happy morning as we remember the love that you showed us by coming to earth to become like us so that you could save us and fulfill your plan of salvation before the world began. What grace, what humility you have showed us in Christ. And so we join the angels and the shepherds long ago to give you praise and worship because you are our worthy king. And would you now, by your spirit, open our hearts to behold the glorious mystery of God with us. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, There's a lot to unpack in this text, so we won't address every question that comes up, but I do want to briefly look at the three reasons why Jesus was born uh, for us from this passage. And if you're taking notes, you've got three simple points. He became like us to defeat our enemies in verses 14 to 15. He became like us to absorb our penalty in verses 16 to 17, and he became like us to help us in our suffering, in verse 18. So first, he became, us, became like us to defeat our enemies. Now, I would guess that some of the kids here uh, got something this, uh, this morning, uh, and maybe it had a superhero 
on, on it for Christmas. I know our family loves superheroes. We play it. We got a big toy chest full of um, costumes with superheroes on it, and I end up, end up being the, the villain uh, most, of these, most of these times because these costumes don't fit me. Uh, because we all know every superhero's got a really got a villain, right? Uh, Spider Man, its greatest enemy is who? I'll say Green Goblin. How about say? I don't know, probably the best one. Uh, Batman's greatest enemy, the Joker. Yeah, the Joker. We'll go Joker. Yeah, Joker for sure. And then uh, Avengers, the Avengers' greatest enemies, Thanos. I think Thanos. You're right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, these these stories, I think they they resonate with us because. We too have a great enemy. Our greatest enemy we read about in Genesis is this ancient serpent, the devil. And in the Garden of Eden, Satan, remember, he lies to Adam and Eve. And instead of listening to the voice of their maker, Adam and Eve listened to the voice of the serpent and rejected God's word. And because Adam and Eve sinned, they were removed from God's presence in the garden and would no longer live forever on earth with their Lord but they are now subject to death. But God made a promise to Adam and Eve. He promised that someone would come who would be born of a woman, who would one day come and crush the great enemy, the serpent, and crush the great enemy of death, and bringing people back into the presence of God. And so the people of God waited with expectation, wondering if the next baby born would set things right and defeat Satan, their enemy. And many good men, many prophets, many mighty warriors and kings were seen among the people. Many had hoped, maybe Moses, maybe he is the one to defeat the enemy. Or maybe a warrior like Joshua, or a king like David, maybe he would be the one to to defeat our great enemy, the devil. But like their father before them, like Adam, they all sinned, and none of them could defeat death and the devil. Until one day, until Christmas Day, God sent His Son, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to a virgin named Mary, to fulfill the promise that He made all the way back into the garden. And unlike other prophets, priests, and kings before Him, Jesus never sinned. When the devil tried to tempt him, he resisted, even to the point of death on the cross. And at the cross, Satan was defeated, for he could not corrupt Jesus. And three days later, we know Jesus conquered death by rising from the dead. And we see all this packed into verse 14 and 15. Look back there with me. He says, "...since therefore the children share in flesh and blood," that's us, since we have bodies and blood... He himself, that being Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So in order to save humanity, God needed to take on a human nature, a second nature. He needed to, the second person of the Trinity took on a new nature. He needed to take on a body like ours, and he did this so he could die. For apart from God taking on a second nature, it would be impossible for God to die and defeat our enemy, both death and the devil. 
And when Jesus died without ever sinning, he defeated Satan for us. And when he rose again, he defeated death for us. And now Jesus is our risen king. And we do not need to fear death or the devil, for they are both defeated foes. And so we have sung this Christmas, Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Free from what? Fear from our fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Friends, Jesus came and became like us so that he could defeat our great enemies and free us from fear of them. And as we celebrate his birth today, let's be people who are not marked by fear of what is to come, but we should be marked with love and hopeful expectation of what is to come for all those who are in Christ can look forward to what is to come when he comes again. Yes, it's true, right? Satan, uh, he still may accuse us. He still may lie to us. But those who are in Christ with his Holy Spirit, we, he cannot overtake us. His accusations have no teeth because he is a defeated foe. And we have one who, as we were saying about today, who is interceding before us, before the throne, helping us and pleading our cause before the throne. So why did Jesus become like us? He became like us to defeat our enemies and free us from the fear, fear of slavery that gripped us before the Lord came, all in accordance with God's promise all the way back in the garden. Number two, he became like us to absorb our penalty. Look at verses 16 and 17 again. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. If you were here last week, uh, which feels like a very long time ago, Pastor Tommy talked uh, about Jesus being our high priest. And if you remember, what did the high priest do? The high priest, he represented all of Israel to God. He would pray on behalf of the people. He would make sacrifices for the sins of the people. And in order for Jesus to fulfill that office of high priest, in order to represent us to God, he needed to be fully human in every respect. He did not come to save the angels, but us. Therefore, unless Jesus became like us in every way, except for our sin, he would not be able to represent us faithfully to God as our perfect high priest. But as we celebrate this morning, Jesus did become like us, and unlike all the priests before him, he perfectly represents the people to God. And instead of offering a lamb as a sacrifice for an atonement for sin, what does he offer? He offers himself as a sacrifice. And it says, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now, I know, propitiation is a very big word for Christmas morning. Um, But it's an important word that we understand. Uh, It it means, in short, appeasing the wrath of somebody. Or in other words, Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for sin in himself. And I was thinking of different ways of how to illustrate this for you. And I thought this would be good and uh, be good for for the kids to think about. Kids, let's pretend, uh, let's imagine that your mom has just made your favorite batch of Christmas cookies. And they are warm, they are toasty, and they, the aroma is filling the house. 
And your brothers and sisters, they come and they look at those cookies and they're in the kitchen and they're hovering, right? The kids, we like to hover. And mom says, not right now, kids. You need to wait. We're going to have these like we have every year with uh, the, the movie that we'll watch as a family tonight. And if I see any of you touch those cookies before the movie tonight, before I say, you will not get to stay up late. You will have to go to your room and everyone else will have to enjoy it. That is the consequence if you decide to eat that. Now you think to yourself, yeah, staying up as late is really nice. But man, those cookies look real good. And it's the smell, it just it keeps getting you. And so a few minutes later, sneak down the stairs. You think, you know, I'll just rearrange the cookies a little bit, make it look like nothing's nothing's there. You start to take a bite. You take another, oh, it is, it is everything that you have hoped it would be. It tastes good, although there's a little guilt going down as well as you're eating it. And then you realize, you look up in your trance that you've been in with eating this cookie. You look up and your mother is looking at you right in the face as you are about to devour that last little morsel. And you, of course, know what you have done. You know, oh, I'm not going to be able to watch the movie. But then, out of nowhere, your older sister comes and says, Mom, I don't want little Eric to miss the movie tonight. I would like to take his punishment for him. Would you send me to my room and let him watch the movie? Your mom, to your surprise, says, okay, you may do that. You may take his punishment. And you're like, what? And you go downstairs and you enjoy the movie and with no fear of punishment that is to come. Now, I don't know if that has ever happened in any of your, if you, if your homes uh, or not. Um, be cool if it did, because uh, it's a great illustration uh, in small part of what Jesus does for us. He comes to earth to become like us so that he can take the penalty our sins deserve upon himself. He does not deserve the punishment. But he willingly takes it for us so that we can be made right with God and enjoy life with him, enjoy life with his family. An angel could not do it. No sinful priest could do that. Only Jesus, the perfect God-man, our faithful and merciful high priest, could absorb the wrath of God for sin on behalf of sinners like you and me. And Jesus, he doesn't just take one of our sins. He doesn't just take the cookie sin of stealing, right? He takes all of them both past, present, and future, so that all who trust in Jesus don't have to ever fear the experience of the wrath of God, not now, not in the future. So friends, this is why we can have joy today, that we are not destined for wrath, but we are destined for joy and eternal life with God because Jesus, our great high priest, took our place on the cross for us. So he became like us to defeat our enemies he became like us to absorb our penalty for us. And finally, verse 18, we see the third reason why Jesus became like us. He became like us to help us in our suffering. Verse 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, it's really important for us to remember Jesus didn't, was not a superhuman. He was a human in every respect. He, yes, he did not sin, but he experienced all, all that we experience. He did not have an easy life. His life was marked by hardship. Uh, he had hard things he experienced, just like we do. 
He knows what it feels like to be lonely. He knows what it's like to grieve the loss of a loved one. He knows what it's like to be falsely accused and to be misunderstood. He knows what it's like to work on very little sleep or to struggle to fall asleep. He felt real physical pain. He felt real emotional pain. And he knows what it's like to be tempted. And the scriptures tell us that he was tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. Now, if you think through that, right, you can say, well, he's God. Of course, he's going to be able to resist all the temptation. But if you think about it, right, we get reprieve from temptation when we give into it. If we did not give into it, it would build and mount and grow. Yet for Jesus, in every temptation that came to Jesus, he resisted it. And it built and built and built his whole life until his work was finally finished on the cross. Can you just imagine the mountain and the struggle all the way to the very end of all the temptations that he resisted that we never face in a lot of ways because he resisted even farther than we even to the point of death, death on a cross. We will never understand the weight of temptation that Jesus resisted for us so that we can believe that Jesus understands our own temptation. Do you hear that? So we don't actually understand Jesus so that he can, we know that he can understand us. Friends, we have a sympathetic high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. But I don't want to end there. Look, the text tells us, not that he's a sympathetic high priest, which Hebrews tells us later, but he tells us that he can do more than that. He didn't just come to earth to tell us that he knows how we feel, which is true, but the text tells us he is also able to help. And his help um, for us uh, is not just future help in the, in the future, right? It is help for the present. He is our ever-present help in trouble. Jesus, your faithful and merciful high priest, is interceding for you. He gives you his spirit to comfort you, to convict you, to tell you, hey, you taking that cookie is a really bad idea. Uh, that little voice inside of you, uh, both either conscience or even the Holy Spirit working in you, is a gift to you to help you, to, to trust that he can be with you in your suffering. We may not have eyes to see, uh, but every time you resist temptation, every time you endure suffering another day, it is not your strength that is keeping you, but Jesus, through his Spirit, is helping you. And friends, I want us to be able to see, and sometimes it can be kind of a it's hard to tangibly say, how is Jesus helping me today? Well, guess what, friends? That's why he made the church. Because we can see tangible ways in which God helps us through you all every time you care for one another. Every time you bring a meal to somebody in, in, in need. Every encouraging word that you send. I know a lot of you have sent me encouraging words, uh, either through Christmas cards or all sorts of things. Like, you don't know that that's the Lord using you to help even me. Uh, through, through a season. Every hug you give, every prayer you pray is the grace and the help of Jesus working through you to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I, I pray this Christmas season uh, and this time that you would remember that, that God has helped you and he, has, he is a present help. He's not just a future help. It's not just that he's helped us in this past, but we can be the hands and feet of the one who saved us um, testifying to our, our Christ who is a help to us. So as you look into this new year, I, I pray that you would see the help of Jesus, um, that you would find ways to help your church, to help your fellow brothers and sisters to be the hands and feet of Jesus to you because you remember that Jesus came 
in flesh and blood to be our perfect help. So why did Jesus come as a baby? He became like us so that he could defeat our enemies, he became like us to absorb our penalty, and he became like us to help us in our suffering. And so as we talked about last night, we can rejoice because our enemies are defeated, our penalty is propitiated, and our help is here. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we come and adore you this Christmas day again because you are worthy, and we rejoice as the family of God that you've ransomed by your blood to gather here today that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. And we know, God, that this gathering is a miracle. For apart from you saving us, we would uh, not desire to be here, but we would desire for ourselves. And so thank you, Lord, for uh, this gathering. And so, Lord, we ask that the light of Christ would shine on us this day as we interact with, with others, with family, and may we truly have the joy of Christ on our faces um, because we know our joy is secure in you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, God, for your word and your son. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.